0: You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. All right, if you want, you could open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. The Genesis chapter 6. Today we're talking about the flood. The flood. How many people said they're going to go home after church and take a nap? That's probably the majority. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, you got up early for Sunday school. You deserve a nap. Uh, Genesis chapter 6. Everybody say the flood. the flood. The flood is what we're going to talk about this morning. It's kind of a, uh, it's a happy story about rainbows and, and boats and Noah, but it's also a very sad story because of the people that, everybody, everybody that was outside of the boat. And I want to read for you the, the, the story of the flood, but it's four chapters long, which is kind of interesting because creation only gets one chapter. The creation of humans only gets one chapter. The story of Cain and Abel, one chapter. story of Babel, one chapter. But the flood gets four chapters long. And so it's a, it's a good story, and it's, a, it's an important story in the book of Genesis. And as we study this month Old Testament history, the story of the flood is pretty important. It's, a, it's really about God's judgment, uh, but about also about people getting saved through God's judgment. And so I want to start in Genesis chapter 6. Um, let's look specifically at verses 5 through 8. And then I'm going to skip ahead again. And it says that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That's real bad. The Lord was grieved Some translations say the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved or I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah had favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then would you skip down to uh, verse 17. 17 17 through 20 says the continuation of the story. And this is God talking to Noah. And it says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all the life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wife's sons and the wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground. Uh, You will you will come to you and will be kept alive. And then let's skip and then the flood happens of course, 40 days of raining. Chapter 7 and 8 is about that. You should read that sometime. It's pretty sweet. But the end of the story is kind of a happy ending. Chapter 8 verse 20 through 21. This is the end of the story after all the flood that happens. And many of you already know that story, how the waters came down, the flood rose, the people on the ark were saved. And then at the end of that flood Verse 20 of chapter 8 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, and I will never again destroy all the living creatures as I have done. Kind of a happy ending, right? I think so. It's a story about judgment, but it's a story about redemption through that judgment. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we welcome you in here, Jesus, on a greater level. God, we just say to you that our hearts are open to you and our minds are open to you right now. In the Mill Sunday School, God, would you use this time to teach us about your judgment, even though it's confusing that you are a good and loving God, but the other side of that is that you are also a just God, a God that is a judge God, would you teach us something about that this morning, something that will resonate with our souls, something that we could learn from and apply to our own lives. And so, Jesus, we're just so grateful that you are in here. And we praise you. We thank you, Jesus. And everyone screamed, amen. Amen. You guys are getting better at the screaming. I appreciate that. I'm a screamer as well. Well, uh, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, the Sunday School happens every single week. And uh, I joke around that we're the nerds of the Mill, but not in a bad way, in a good way. We're the people that like to get into the Bible knowledge a little bit more. Last week, we talked about the problem of evil, this theological problem. If there's a good God and he's all powerful, then why is there evil? And so more than one of you came up to me last week and said, man, that's good stuff. But it kind of went over my head because it was, it was stuff I, I'd never heard about the theological problem of the problem of evil before. They said it's good, but man, it's just, I just never heard this before. What, where can I learn more about this? And really, the only answer to that is college. You have to go to Bible school to get what you get in here in the Mill Sunday School. And it's and it's and it's supposed to be that way. Some of it may go over your head. I'm not trying to teach over your head, uh, but I'm trying to trying to challenge you a little bit and that and say that we are kind of a club in here that really likes to go deeper into the knowledge of God and the things of God as far as getting into the Bible. Anybody else a nerd in here? <laughs> you raise your hands proud. Two hands over there. That's what I'm talking about. Well, uh <clears throat> Let me tell you a story about judgment. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I went to Pensacola, Florida, and uh, I, got, I got invited there to speak to a college group. It was, like, it was an independent Baptist church that I got to speak to their college ministry about, um, and it was pretty cool. This is God. I got to speak to this college ministry in Pensacola, and they were just telling me about their church and about their group and about Pensacola, and how uh, they referred to the, the Pensacola as the belt buckle of the Bible belt. That's what they said. Well, I'm going to look at this real quick. Maybe it's low battery. Battery looks good. Looks good back there. Man, it's just like scratching. Do you hear that? Little, everybody's got their own ideas. Everybody's like, check those, check, check, thing, or thing, twitch. I tightened it up. We'll see. So they call Pensacola the Bible belt of uh, excuse me the belt buckle of the bible belt and they are an independent baptist church and they were saying how they as as a as a denomination they call themselves independent they broke off from the southern baptist church because they felt in many ways that the the southern baptist church was in in their opinion too legalistic and in their opinion uh, a little too uptight with rules and regulations and so they broke off of that very similar but they call themselves independent baptist church but they said what's embarrassing is that there's another group uh, also calling themselves the Independent Baptist Church denomination. And they're independent. They, moved, they broke away from the Southern Baptist Church because they felt as though the Southern Baptist Church wasn't strict enough. And so they have even more rules. And they all wear the, uh, the very plain clothes, almost like Amish people would wear very plain clothes, the bonnets, the, the ties, all the cool, cool clothes that all the cool kids want to wear. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, on Saturdays, you just wait. When Saturday rolls around, you will see that every, every corner will have a preacher preaching open air on the street. And I said, "That's okay, can't wait for that. And, and so Saturday came around, and I thought he was just like a figure of speech, preacher on every, every street corner. But literally, there was a preacher, uh, one of these people from the Independent Baptist Church in, their, in their, their suits, and the women had the long dresses on and the aprons, and then little kids running around with their little suits and little aprons. Um, and it was, it was like every street corner had a preacher on it, and it wasn't just like people in Florida when it's 102 degrees and 100% humidity, there's not a lot of people just walking around. They, they go in their car, they turn on the AC, and as soon as they park, they run inside to get to more AC, and so these people were preaching uh, on street corners. It was like preaching at like Academy and Woodman, just like cars just like zooming by, and even when they did stop, People's windows are up, of course, because it's hot, air conditioning blowing, you can't even see them. So all you see is like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> But of course I rolled down the window to see what they were saying, and they, they held they were holding up their Bible saying, God is gonna judge you. He's coming down, he knows that you're wicked. And he was like pointing at cars. saying, He knows that you're wicked, he's coming down to kill you. You're going to hell if you don't repent. You need to repent now. And in some senses, it was it was I mean, I don't know if the best word is just I was I felt kind of embarrassed that I was, I was a Christian, these are also, I mean, however we look at it, they are our Christian brothers and sisters. And I was almost embarrassed to, to say that their method was probably turning off more people than it was turning people on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in some ways, I was very embarrassed because our culture is, a very, I mean, the worst thing you could be is someone that's judgmental and close-minded, right? I mean, according to our culture, you watch Oprah Winfrey on daytime television, of course. Um, like I do, religiously. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, although Oprah on daytime television is probably some of the best television on, con- compared to the rest of daytime television, all the judges and whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You've done it. Um, <clears throat> but Oprah Winfrey, her God and the God of the mass population of people in the United States says, our God is a God of loving, kindness, all good, God would never send people to hell. God would never judge us. God is just this spirit of goodness and angels and, and all good comes out of God, and he's just so loving. And that's all true. But the other side of that is that God is our judge. And in some ways, what the, what, what the independent Baptist dudes and their ties and stuff were screaming at cars about, their method, in my opinion, is a little off. It's, it's frankly a little scary to see people screaming at cars um, and all dressed up like like, I don't know, just weirdness. Um, and uh, their method may be off, but what they're really saying is true, that God is going to judge, that God does judge wickedness. And we have one of the most... Um, look, let's look again at G- Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. And it's really one of the... It's one of the most saddest... Most sad? How do you say that? Most saddest verses in the whole Old Testament because it says that God destroyed... The humans that were on the earth. Genesis 6 verse 6 says that the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And this says that the Lord's heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I'm going to wipe out mankind that I have created from the face of the earth. Everything on it, everything that lives on the earth, he's going to wipe it out. Isn't that a sad verse? It's a verse about judgment and God's judgment is true. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we get into that, I thought, I thought we would share some, some fun facts about the flood. Doesn't that sound fun? Fun facts to know and tell about the flood. That's on your notes if you want to write some of these down. They're really just kind of fun. Um, the idea, I mean, they're, they're more than just facts. They're, it, it's, if you get into the details of this four-chapter story, you will get a lot of truth out of some of the details of the story. And it says in the Bible that there was no rain before the rains came down in the flood. Did you know that? It didn't rain. In the Bible, it says it didn't rain before the flood waters came down. And I have no way of explaining this, but um, there's, it says that there was above the firmament, there was water above the firmaments, and there was floodgates. I really have no way of explaining that other than there's water above the firmament, like whatever that means. I don't really know. But it didn't rain. It said that water came up from the earth. And so you just have to picture yourself uh, watching this man named Noah build a boat. And, and you're like, dude, why are you building boats? And he says, it's going to rain. And you say, what the heck is rain? You've never seen it before. And so you just have to have this picture of this crazy man building a boat. How many of you have seen Evan Almighty? It's a a bunch of people told me that the movie wasn't that good. So I walked into the movie thinking it's not going to be that good. And that's like the best setup someone can give you. Because then it was like the most excellent movie I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) Uh, and me and my wife, it's at the Dollar Theater, it's, it's, uh, me and my wife saw it last week at the Dollar Theater. We really liked it. And it's a story about Steve, Steve Carroll, is that his name? Yeah. Steve Carell, excuse me, that plays in the office and he plays like the idiot that's the senator that, <clears throat> that is building this boat and everyone thinks he's crazy, he's out of his mind until the flood actually comes. And you have to think about Noah in these type of terms, that he was literally, it had never rained before. He's telling people rain is going to fall. And they're like, what the heck is rain? So that's, that's fun fact number one. It had never rained before. Fun fact number two, uh, this is really cool to me, is that almost every, and I say almost every, I'm not really sure the percentages, but out of all the ancient cultures, out of all these ancient writings, lots and lots of ancient cultures have their own story of the flood let me list a few. The ancient Egyptians had a flood story about, about a, a god coming down with water and killing a bunch of people and uh, a boat. The ancient Hindu culture has a story about the flood. The ancient Chinese culture has a story about the flood. The ancient Samaritan culture, story about a flood. The ancient Greek culture, story about the flood. Even the ancient Babylonians had a story about the flood. Maybe some of you read this in high school because I did. It's called the Epic of Gilgamesh. Have you heard of that story before? It's a story about a flood and how a dude builds a boat, I think, I don't know, it's been since high school, and it's about a flood, how a hero overcomes this flood. And so, it almost thinks, it makes me think, maybe a flood really did happen. I mean, if all these cultures, if if all these cultures have this story about a flood, who knows? Maybe the Bible is true. (laughs) That's fact number two. Uh, Fact number three, uh, I don't know if this is really a fun fact, but... Some, I'll just give you the opinion. There's some Christians that say, yes, it says that the whole earth was filled with water and flooded the entire earth. But some, some have the opinion that the, the term whole earth is used in other places of the Bible as well. As, and sometimes it's very literal, like, f- flood, like God's presence is over the whole earth. I think that's very literal. And sometimes the, the term whole earth is used and maybe it's not literal. This is just an opinion that some people have as they interpret this, and they would say, like in Daniel chapter seven, a prophecy is given that an empire will rule over the entire earth, and we know that that prophecy was fulfilled by the Greek empire, and then a later, uh, and then a later empire that came after them, of course, would be the Romans. But the Greek empire controlled the whole known world at the time. But if you look on a map, like a globe, at where the the Greek empire was located, and you'll see that it's I mean, it's a pretty big area, but it didn't include Antarctica. It didn't include Australia. It didn't include the Americas. It didn't include Pueblo or Colorado Springs. It just and it didn't even include Asia or China. Uh, it included most of the Middle East and the Mediterranean, and yet the term whole earth was used. So I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there as an opinion. You could do with that what you want. Um, another fun fact is that all the, all the animals came to Noah. I think that's kind of cool. It says that in there, that Noah didn't have to go out and with his net and go butterfly collecting. That They all came to him. It's just kind of cool. And so if you've seen, I, I'll refer again to the movie Evan Almighty, because I think it was a really cool movie, um, that all the animal, one of the funny things is that all these animals are always just coming to him. And so there's like birds on him, and he's trying to be a senator, and there's like a donkey, and there's like birds. And it's pretty funny. But I just thought that would be a fun fact to share. Um... I think that's all my fun facts. What other fun facts? Sunday school is kind of a discussion. Anybody else have any fun facts about the flood? Evan. That's good. Did you know that? They came in seven, so there was a bunch of them. That's why in the cover of your uh, cover of your skillet, there's a big boat. Did you see that on there? It didn't. It could have came out a little clearer, I imagine, for you to see it. But that's that's the ark. And I think right in the foreground is a unicorn. <laughs> but he didn't make it on. <laughs> Have you heard that children's story about the unicorn, how he didn't make it because he was doing something dumb? and He's like, anyways, uh, it's a fun story. Any other fun facts? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of fun facts. Oh, maybe something. Yes, yeah, sir. The dimension of it, he said that in engineering, there's dimensions of how boats stay afloat. And if there's like how big a boat could be per per how how much it can hold, and the ark has perfect core correlations. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty sweet. That's a fun fact. Any other fun facts? Yes. Sweet. They fa- you were in the mountains of Tibet and found fossils of seashells. That's pretty sweet. So maybe that came from the flood. Think about it. It's possible. All right, any other fun facts? I was going to say the rain. I just thought about the rainbow. The rainbow is God's symbol because the rainbow only comes after it rains. And it says, it says afterwards that the God's promise of the rainbow is that he's never gonna again, again going to destroy uh, the earth by water. That's uh, Genesis nine sixteen says, Whenever the rainbows appear in the crowds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and living creatures of every kind on the earth. But did you know, that God is not going to destroy this world with water again. But it doesn't include fire. (laughs) It does say in in Revelation, and this is kind of a good thing, that this earth will pass away, that the the things that are here on this earth that are not spiritual things, the things that are not of God, are going to all burn away. Like you're stuff you know your cds and your ipods and your cars and your wallets and your keys someday you're going to die and someday this earth is going to pass away and god is going to destroy it but he promises not with water (laughs) what's it really matter though water fire whatever anyways uh i'm really not mocking god by the way all right the judgment of god Judgment of God seems to be a very Old Testament term. Here is how judgment, this, this would be here in the how judgment works portion of your notes. Um, man, the scratching, it sounds like there's a chickmunk up here scratching. What, it's my, my phone? Shut it off? I don't even know how to do that. I'm just gonna take out the battery. <laughs> that, uh, that ought to do it. Um, the old testament the judgment of god in the old testament i was once uh, in high school i dated a girl for just a little while and uh... It was one of those relationships where i met the family and then the family likes you a whole bunch more than than the girl does <laughs> has anybody ever been in one of those but yeah i had a wow, lots Uh, it's there's always fun and so we were at church all together me and her family and her mom had the weirdest Bible I think I've ever seen I I still haven't seen one like this it was it was about this this uh, diameter but the thickness of it it was only like this thick and it had leather on both sides and it was only this thick and so I was just joking with her mom and I said what happened to your Bible did you cut some stuff out and she said no it just doesn't include the new test uh, excuse me just doesn't include the Old Testament and then she said something very serious. And she said, "I don't believe in the Old Testament." She said, "The Old Testament in the Old Testament, God is a God of wrath, a God of judgment, a God of plagues, a God of, of doing bad things and wars. In, in the New Testament, God seems like He's the God of love and peace and kindness and grace and mercy." And so she said, "I don't, I don't read the Old Testament. I don't, I don't really uh, adhere to it. I don't believe really in it that we should read it. I just like the New Testament." And I just thought, "Wow, that's." really weird that she would just throw out the whole Old Testament, um, because for one, there is grace and peace in the Old Testament, and for two, there is judgment in the New Testament, and, but it's just her way of thinking about things, and so she just had this Bible that was just the New Testament alone, and it, it was this, this idea that maybe she thought that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were two different gods, and that's not true at all, and I'm going to, uh, we'll kind of talk about that and prove that today, um, but it is true. I mean, just taking it at face value, to be honest, the, the, in the Old Testament, there just does seem to be a lot more wars. There does seem to be a lot more judgment. There does seem to be a lot more wrath, right? I mean, it's, it's, no, really, it's no big secret, right? And so we'll talk about that today as to why that is. And once again, I'm going to read Genesis 6-6 because I think it's just such a, a powerful verse about God and how he created things. And it said that the Lord was grieved He was sorry that he made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. And the the verse before that, verse 5 says that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth and how he'd become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. And that's just, it it is a a verse of judgment. It is a verse of wrath, that he is going to destroy the earth. I was having coffee with... um, a dude, as, as, as an associate pastor of the mill, uh, me and Evan get to meet with a lot of guys throughout the week. We get to have coffee with guys, uh, have lunch with, with guys, and kind of do a mentoring thing. Just, I usually ask them how they're doing with lust, how they're doing with their girlfriend, how they're doing in their relationship with God. Sometimes we'll get into their testimony. I'll say, so how did you become a Christian? Give me a little bit of your, of your story, your testimony. And, and I was having coffee with this guy a couple of weeks ago. He was sharing with me his testimony about how he came to know Christ. And he said, one of the things that really set him back, kept him from God for a really long time, is that when he was a kid, and he lived, his, his family was very abusive, his dad was physically abusive, and his dad was also an alcoholic, and one night his dad came home drunk, and he just started hitting, hitting him as a boy. I, don't, I can't remember how old he was, but he was beating him, hitting him, and at one point the dad said to his own son, I wish you were never born. I wish you were never born, to this kid. And and just thinking about that, I mean, I, I at the time I was thinking of my own father, and my dad's a good dad. Well, I grew up in a strong Catholic family. My dad's good to me, and I, I was just my heart was really broken at the at the fact that a father would say that to his son. Say, I wish. I wish you were never born. And it. It was, it was something that kept him from God for a long time because he, he couldn't think about Father God in those terms. And in the same way, I read this verse and think, is this like the father telling his son, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth? And I have to say, no. It's, it's, our God is not like a, a, a drunk, mistaken, adult father that comes in and, and screams that out as a child in his rage and in his madness. Because our God says, it says here that, his, that God's heart was filled with pain. That our God, creator of everything, was filled with pain. And it wasn't without reason. I mean, I imagine that, I mean, there's no reason for a father to tell a son, I wish you were never born. There's, there's no reason for that. But here we find reason with God. In verse 5 it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth, that every inclination of his thoughts were evil, and then his heart was evil all the time. And so it's with that soberness that that we see that our God is a loving God, but our God is also a God of justice. Our God is also a a God that doesn't allow um, wrong things to happen. Let me give you the definition for for judgment. The definition of judgment that I just kind of, I really tried to simplify it. Judgment is due punishment for wrongs. Due, D-U-E, due punishment for wrongs. It's what belongs to you after you have committed a wrong. Without judgment, there's there's just anarchy and craziness. I mean, our judicial system is about the policemen and judges and courts and things like that to make sure that people are punished for the wrongs that they've committed. And I think our judicial system is pretty sweet. Would you like to hear another story? <laughs> I live in an apartment. I live in an apartment with my wife, Erica, on Barnes and Powers. It's a pretty nice area of town. Um, but we just we 're getting a house next like two weeks from now, one week, two weeks we two weeks we close on a house we 're going to move downtown. If you guys want to come over and help us move, <laughs> that'd be sweet. How about that for a story? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways <laughs> anyways, uh, the other night, it was last Friday night, and and I tell you where we live because it 's not like a bad it 's not like the hood, but at three a m the other Friday night. There was a ruckus going on in the, in the, next, in the apartment next to us. And then uh, opens the door, and two guys fall out, and they're fighting. They're rolling on the grass. And so I run to the, to the window, and I look out, and there's guys fighting. And then I hear a lady scream, call 911, get off of him, bring me a knife. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So I run back in. To, to, to the room, get my cell phone, run back to the window, and it was really just that amount of time. Uh, but, and I, I looked back out the window, and policemen were already there. Don't we live in a great country? And so you know what I did? I went back to bed. I mean, three cop cars, they had it totally under control. I mean, I could sleep soundly knowing that the that the judicial system of the United States is, is working okay, it's working good. Someone else must have called 911 before, but as, as the ruckus started. But I just thought... Man, there, there's judgment is going to come. Whoever started the fight, whatever was going on, somebody was probably going to be hauled off to, the, to spend the night in jail that night because they were fighting and some lady was screaming, bring me a knife. <laughs> <laughs> bring me a knife. <laughs> Get off of him. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, the things. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, what do you? What are, who's up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Uh, I don't know. And so, uh, whatever. And so, uh, judgment, I think, in, in, in that sense, I could sleep soundly knowing that judgment was there, that, that the authorities were there, and, and it was a good thing. It was a good thing that, these, these, that this lady wasn't going to get a knife and there was going to be, who knows, you know, what could have happened. That the judicial system was there, that judgment was going to take place, and that judgment was a good thing. Here's another story for you. I'm just in the mood for stories today. Um, but when I, when I was in sixth grade, a cop came to our class, and he was teaching us. Do you remember the D.A.R.E. program? Keep yourself, did, am I wrong, but did every kid in the United States get one of those black T-shirts that had D.A.R.E. on it? Because I remember my teacher saying, no, these are special shirts. You, the, we're only getting them at this class. And I, I, every kid in America. Am I right? I mean, wasn't it every kid in America? Anyways, there, in sixth grade, this cop came to, 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 to talk to our class about drugs. Um, and, uh, and he was talking about drugs. And at some point, he said, imagine a world where there's no rules. So it was kind of his opening thing and he said for the next sixty seconds there's no rules in this classroom and we just sat there going what's that what's that mean? And then the cop said, Come on, there's no rules. You don't have to sit down if you don't want to sit down. You don't have to uh you could do whatever you want. There's no rules for the next 60 seconds. Then he looked at his watch and some kids started getting up and talking. Uh some girls started like dancing. One kid was bold enough to like get up on his table and was like, Woo, there's no rules and it was just kind of a fun cute little thing but what the cop didn't realize was that there was a bad kid in the class his name was Danny and he was like the worst kind of bad kid cuz some bad kids are like the popular kids but he was the bad kid that everybody was just like Danny that's dumb what are you you just you're just bad and and he was he kind of maybe he did bad things just to try to get attention but it was bad attention and what Danny did and this is uh, it turns into kind of a semi sad story is that he picked up a chair so in this time when people are just like, la, 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 no rules, Danny picked up a metal chair with uh, like the plastic, you know, the school, elementary school chairs, but it was sixth grade, so they went like the tiny chairs. He picked up this metal chair, and he just threw it across the room, and there was this loud boom, bang, and everybody turned around and looked, and this chair had been thrown across the room, and I have no idea if Danny was aiming, but on the way, as the chair was flying, it hit a girl right in the head, and it, 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 she, after it all happened, she was uh, rushed to the nurse's office. Danny, of course, the teacher grabbed Jan, Danny and pulled him out in the hallway. We just heard Danny getting yelled at. Um, Danny was, uh, he wasn't expelled, but he was nearly expelled for that. And uh, he was suspended for some time. It turned out that the girl was okay. I mean, it could have, the girl just got a little cut on her forehead. Uh, it could have been really, really bad. I mean, she could have been knocked unconscious, or I mean, a metal chair. She could uh, literally, she could have been killed, you know, from a metal chair and a head wound. Um, but it turned out that there really was rules in the classroom, even though a cop was there saying no rules. <laughs> it, t- it turns out <laughs> that that you just can't throw a metal chair at someone's head. That there are rules, and that's a good thing. Danny needed to be punished. You know, have you ever met a kid, um, a kid, or maybe you know him now, he's no longer a kid, that their parents weren't very good parents? They didn't love them enough to, to punish them, to discipline them well? And whether you're, whether you're, you're a parent or maybe your parents uh, spanked you or maybe your parents put you in timeout, I don't know that it really matters what the punishment is, but there needs to be discipline. There needs to be some sort of punishment. Or, or else that you're not loving your kid. If if there's no discipline and punishment, then it's a bad thing. And so judgment is a good thing. I guess that's that's one of the points on the notes that, that I would like you to write down if you are taking notes. That judgment is a good thing. There's safety in judgment. Some a girl, a girl like dancing in the corner because there's no rules in the classroom shouldn't get hit in the head with a metal chair. There needs to be rules and judgment for, for life to, for just for things to be normal, for goodness sakes. Um, I like a game called Foursquare. <laughs> Do you guys see me playing Foursquare at the mill and the other end of the hallway? I, I'm addicted to this game. It's so much fun. There's four squares, there's a playground ball, and it bounces in your square and you hit it to somebody else's square. And uh, there's really, I mean, in all honesty, you look at the game, there's really no point. There's no winner. You just, there's a line, and, and you just keep going around the line, and whoever gets out goes to the end of the line. And it just keeps going around and around. And literally, we've played after the mill <laughs> till 2 a.m. <laughs> and it's a fun game, though. It's, it's, it, you'll just have to try it sometime. But the, the thing is about it is that there's always a judgment. Every time the ball stops, someone is out. Every time the ball stops, someone is out, and they'll say, oh, it bounced on your line. You're out. And, then, and you'll say, whoa, it didn't bounce on my line. It bounced on your line. Or it didn't bounce on a line at all. It bounced outside of bounds. You're out. No, you're out. And then some other people will get involved and say, no, you're out. No, you're out because of this, because it bounced on my square first. And so every, I mean, every, you just watch a game sometimes. You'll, you'll be fascinated with just how much judgment there, how many, how many, how many rules there actually are, and how, how, much, how often judgment has to take place. And so the game works so much better when someone, every once in a while, someone will say, no, I'm going to sit a couple rounds out. They'll sit on the outside, and they'll kind of be the referee. Yo-yo, where's Yo-yo? He likes to be the referee. Um, I think he likes being the referee more than he likes playing. But it's amazing how much better the game, how much smoother the game goes when there's a referee, when there's really a, a judge saying, yes, it did hit your line, you're out, go to the back of the line, let's continue playing. Instead of, no, you're out, you're out, and the big little argument happening. It's, uh, it's better when there's a ref. And sometimes the ref, yo-yo, gets the call wrong. It didn't bounce on my line, yo-yo, you're wrong. And by his name is Josh, we call him yo-yo. Just so you're like, who this yo-yo? Um, <laughs> where is he, did he leave? He was probably ticked. Uh, <laughs> the game works so much better when there is a referee or a judge. How much better would it be if that referee or judge knew everything, could see everything, could see the intentions of someone hitting the ball really hard and why they did that? They're trying to be mean. They're out because they're trying to be mean. In the same way, it's kind of a silly analogy, I know, but in the same way, our God is a just God. He not only is just and good, but he knows everything. He knows our thoughts. He is, right for, for, he is right for judging us because he knows everything. And so judgment, thats just I guess just underline that point again. That judgment is good and that judgment comes from an all-knowing God. And it's really, it's really a good thing as we're talking about today. In the Old Testament, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm just going to read this one verse. It's pretty random. It's Exodus twenty-two one, and it, it talks about goats and goats and cows. So that, that's kind of fun. But it says this. It's, it's about judgment. It's about retribution, really. It says uh, Genesis twenty. Excuse me, Exodus twenty-two, verse one says, "If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it and sells, it, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep." for the sheep. Do you see that? And so here's, here's a, here's person A. Here's person B. This guy steals his ox. That's an ox right there. So now this guy is minus one ox. A debt is owed from this guy to this guy. But God kind of one-ups it. He increases the judgment and says, if you steal something of someone's, not only are you to pay it back, but you are to pay back five times for the cattle and four times for the sheep so that this guy will end up really having a positive four or five sheep or cattle in this process. That if real retribution is to be made, God is a just God. God is a God that says, if you do wrong, then you need to pay back your wrong, and on top of that, pay back more for the sin that you committed. And in the same way, our God is a perfect God, and he demands righteousness from us. And so when we, when we sin against him, according to his Old Testament ways, and just his personality of how he does justice, it seems to me that we are not only to pay back to God the wrong that we did, but maybe even two times maybe three times, or four or five times the wrongs that we did. And so think about this just for a second. I'm actually going to have you discuss it. Um, think about the question, because I, I think there is a very good answer, at least a very good discussion that can happen. Um, answering the question, why is the God in the Old Testament so, so seemingly so different than the God of the New Testament? Why is the God in the Old Testament wrath and war and justice and judgment and plagues and stuff? And the God of the New Testament is the God of peace, love, mercy, grace, and stuff. Do you see that at least when you read it, these overarching themes? I believe there's a very good answer as to why that is. But would you discuss with the other geniuses at your table um, why that might be the case? I'll let You only have like a minute, so if it's a bad discussion, I'll stop it. <laughs> All right. Would anyone um, from their group? Would you like to? You almost have to. I know it's embarrassing, but there's lots of people in here and it's hard to hear. Would anyone be comfortable, bold enough to stand up and and kind of discuss the reason as to why they thought God was different in the Old Testament than in the New Testament? Same God, just under the Old Testament more rules. That's good. That's really good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, one maybe two more genius geniuses like the, those two. Yes, sir. Would you hear that? He fulfilled the law. That's really good. I like that phrase. Oh, that's that's all you had. That was genius. By the way, yes, sir. Right. Jesus paid the debt. Think about it like this. There's um, <clears throat> actually maybe before I say that there was this in early church history. If, you, if you're an early church history buff. Like, I, I would like to be a buff of early church history. Not really sure what that means, but it sounds like a cool thing. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Pelagian who, who developed this theory in early church history before, uh, before like Augustine. Actually, right around the time of Augustine, St. Augustine. You've probably heard of him. You haven't heard of Pelagian because he was declared a heretic. And what he was saying was that the God of the Old Testament, that, that Jesus was birthed out of God, that Jesus came down, died on the cross, but experienced things on earth, and when he died and ascended back to heaven he morphed back with god and then god's uh nature was changed and then that 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 explains why the god of the old testament seems mean and the god of the old testament seems nice in my terminology but what we decided as christians and and, in our church history augustine and other people along at that time said no that is not true. God's nature is unchanging. God is always good. He is always just. He is always loving and gracious. It is merely a separate covenant in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And some of you guys that, talk, that talked nailed that, that idea that in the Old Testament, there was an old covenant with God and that Jesus came not to destroy the old covenant, but to fulfill the old covenant. And so you think about it like this, this idea really hit me, uh, I think just last Christmas, thinking about the coming of Jesus, is that there was a debt paid that all of us as humans have made mistakes before God. We have sinned and God is perfect and he can't live with sin. And so there's that separation between sin. And so to pay the debt, God could have done anything. He could have said, okay, if you want to come to heaven, if you wanna pay off the debt of sin, what you need to do is bow down to, to a temple What you need to do is burn incense what you need to do is walk around a a statue until your debts are paid off many other religions are like that but that's not how the true all-powerful god of this universe works he said to pay off the debt there's nothing i want you to do all i want you to do is to believe in the one who came and died for you and we believe that jesus is in fact god himself and so this idea hit me last christmas that that God could have done anything. God really, I mean, if you think about it, I, I, I'm not being silly or heretical, but God didn't have to have to send his son to die for us. He could have just, I mean, he's God. He could have just snapped his finger and made all people redeemed. I mean, he's God. He can, he can literally do whatever he wants. But because he's just, because he's fair, because that punishment had to be taken care of, because he's consistent with himself, Someone had to pay the price for that sin. And so he sent himself down to die brutally on the cross. And that's what the new covenant is all about. We live under the new covenant where 100% our sins are covered for. We no longer have to just kind of get covered from sins through the blood of sheep and goats and, and Old Testament sacrifices. But Jesus paid once and for all. And that's the whole difference. That's why God seems like he's mean in the Old Testament and he's nice in the New Testament. But the fact of the matter is, it's the same exact God. There's a different covenant that Jesus really did change everything. I, just wanna, I guess I just want to close with this story. The, the thought, I heard this story, um, I, it's more of a proverbial story, really, that I heard when I was first becoming a Christian and it's a story of a judge, a good judge in a small town, works at the courthouse, is the the only judge for this small town, and he's a good judge, people like him, he's well-respected in the town, and he has a son, a teenage son, that's wild and reckless. Why does it always seem that, why do all the pastors always have the bad kids? You ever ever notice that? (laughs) I guess not always, I just know some wild pastor's kids um, in my days. But it seems like this this judge, the the son of the judge, was kind of going through a stage of rebellion. He had had just got his driver's license, and his fun thing to do was to drive around town, squealing squealing tires, driving really fast, and one night he was driving 80 miles per hour in a 30-mile-per-hour zone. Anybody ever done that? (laughs) And there was a cop in this 30-mile-per-hour zone with a radar detector, and he, as the sun passed, going 80, obviously the cop car pulled him over, gave him a ticket, and not only gave him a ticket, but when you're that far over the speed limit, you have an automatic court appearance. Now, the, the problem with the story, of course, is that his dad is the judge, and the kid can never work up the nerve to tell his dad that he's going to be in court on such and such a day. So that day comes the judge is in his judge chair judging the courtroom is filled with other criminals and people that are there to be to, to, to get their judgment and their sentences and in walks his own son and he files through the the court cases for that day and sees that his son has done something wrong his son was speeding and not just speeding like five over or ten over but speeding by 50 miles per hour over the speed limit and that the price of that speeding ticket is going to be huge and he knows that his son only gets a couple dollars in allowance each week. There's no way that the son is going to be able to pay for that ticket. So as the court case goes on, the judge is sitting there thinking to himself, many times in the past, when someone comes in for a court ticket and they're presentable, they're respectable, he'll often knock the price of the ticket down. He, so the judge was thinking, maybe I could just knock the price of the ticket down and, and maybe just send them off with a warning. The judge had the power to do that for the son. But all these other people watching, he thought, I can't do that. That is not just. That no one, no one comes to a court with a 50 mile per hour over the speed limit ticket and just walks away with a warning. He needed to be punished. He needed the justice needed to be served. And so the, the judge takes his gavel, hits it, and the judgment is the full extent of the law, the huge hundred, hundreds of dollars uh, in a speeding ticket, and, and the traffic school and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And then the judge does something very interesting. Because he is the father of the son that he just, you know, judged. He got off of his chair, comes down, takes off his, his, uh, his gown. He's wearing just plain clothes underneath, goes and hugs his son, and then goes back to the, to the clerk and pays himself the full extent of, of, the, of the judgment that he just sentenced. And I think in the same way, that image hit me as a high schooler. And it really, that, that part of that story and that sermon led me to understanding that Jesus, that our God, who is Jesus, came down and, and fulfilled the punishment, the judgment, because judgment is a good thing and, and judgment is necessary. And our God is a just God and a good God. And yet he doesn't just go around throwing people in hell. No, he came down to this earth to save people from hell if they would only believe in him. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we are just blown away of the fact that you are a just God, that you are a good God who loves mercy and goodness and grace. But at the same time, God, we know that judgment and justice is a good thing. And that's, that's, it's the double side of who you are. There's grace and there's justice at the same time. And the perfect alignment of grace and justice is the picture of you on the cross. And so, God, right now, each one of us, just just imagine that picture of Jesus on the cross paying the penalty of our sins, paying the penalty. And you did promise that you will not destroy this earth with water again. God, that, that your judgment that you made with Noah, that you did have a redeeming value for the the people that lived on this earth, that Noah was the fulfillment of of those people that died. And then in the same way, Jesus is the fulfillment, the promise to come for those that might believe in Jesus would have eternal life. And God, we just thank you so much for that right now, Jesus. We praise you, God. We thank you. We love you for your grace and for your justice. We praise you and thank you this morning. And everybody said, Amen. amen.